That was awesome. <laughs> Thank you for that. I can just leave now if that's okay. No, I'm just kidding. What's up, everyone? Like Amber said, my name is Tanner. I don't know if she mentioned this, though. We are married, so she's my wife, which is awesome. And the funny thing about us is we actually met on a blind date. Whoa, whoa, yeah. On, on Tinder. Just kidding. Because everyone knows if you need to find a soulmate, you do that kind of thing on Craigslist. So go ahead and check that out when you get a chance. But tonight is not about dating. You can ask your staff about that. Uh, don't do Craigslist. Please don't do Craigslist. But it's not about dating. We're actually going to talk about something far more important. It's this thing called life purpose. How many of us want to live a life that matters? Most of us, not all of us, but most of us. And so most of us want to live a life that matters, right? Which means you want to get to the end of our lives and look back and be like, okay, that was worth it. That was good. Whatever it was, we did it. And growing up, I was always trying to figure out how to live that purpose. Like, how do I live a life that matters? How do I find a life purpose? And how do I know if I found it? And who tells me? And so I just started just doing whatever I could to find a life purpose. I was like, do I copy my friends? Do I ask my parents? Do I decide for myself? Do I Google it? Like, where does purpose come from? And around ninth grade, I was like, man, as I'm, I'm surveying all of my friends, there's really, for, for, you know, ninth grade guys, there's really three G's that they pursue. You know, you got gaming, girlfriend, and grades. You know, and I was like, okay, let's start with those. And so I jumped into gaming. I was like, man, World of Warcraft is my life. If you haven't heard about that game before, I don't want to talk about it. But it's a dark time in my life. And because of my addiction to that, the girlfriend thing was out. And so gaming and girlfriend were out. And then I was like, well, what, what else can I pursue for my purpose? I was like, well, what about grades? I was like, okay, I think I can do that. I just need to make good grades. All right. I need to ace those classes. I need to ace this thing called the SAT and get to an awesome college, ace that, make a million bucks. You know, I was like, okay, this is my trajectory in life. This is my purpose. If I can just do these things, it will be okay. Problem is, I enrolled in the SAT, took the SAT, got my SAT score back, and I was like, well, I need a new purpose. <laughs> like, this is, this is not it. I was like, so the three Gs are out. Okay, so what's next? Let's try sports. And I had a friend come up to me, 10th grade, he goes, Tanner, you should join the swim team. And I was like, why on earth would I join the swim team? <laughs> like, that, have you seen me? Like, I'm, I'm not going to swim. I'm going to sink. I was like, why would I join the swim team? And he said, there's three reasons you should join. Number one, you get to wear a Speedo. Started out strong. Just wait for number two. Number two, you get to shave your legs. And number three, Tanner, you get to, you're going to be able to swim like a butterfly. So I joined the swim team because <laughs> I was fresh out of options. And I was like, this is it. Like, I'm going to jump in the pool, and this is going to be my purpose. I'm just going to decide this time. And it worked. When, when I chose swimming, I was like, I have found the thing I think is it. And I'm sure many of us in the room have, have done something like that before. When we find the thing we think is it, and when we find a thing that we think is it, it changes everything, right? It changes when you go to bed, when you wake up, who you hang out with, what you spend your parents' money on. Like, it changes literally everything for you in high school, and I found it in swimming. But the problem was, after two years, it didn't work anymore. I was like, I thought I found my purpose. And where does purpose come from? And I was coming up dry. I mean, the world tells us to look within ourselves. The world tells us to copy our friends or to listen to professors. But I just couldn't find it. 
That is until I had a friend come up to me in my final year of high school. He said, Tanner, have you ever read the entire Bible before? And I was like, people do that? Like all the pages? He goes, it's a book. And I was like, check out my SAT score. That's not a good reason. You know, like give me another reason other than the fact that it's a book and I should read it. He said, Tanner, I guarantee you that if you pick this book up, you read from Genesis, the first book of the Bible, to Revelation, the last book of the Bible, you will find God's purpose for your life. And as you know, I was out of options. And so I was like, challenge accepted. And in reality, I did not think reading the Bible through and through would change my life. I was like, why would I read the Bible? Like, it's, it's old, it's long, it's old, it's difficult to understand, it's old. Like, it, I'm, it's 2021 today, you know, back, it was a little bit longer ago back then. I was like, how does that affect my life today? How does that affect my life? But as I began to pick this book up and I re read it from beginning to end, it began to change every single thing about my life. And I believe it can do the same for you. Because what I began to encounter was a living and a loving God. A God not, who, who is not distant, and a God who is not far from what was happening in the world and happening in my life, but a God who is intricately involved in the ways of the world. He desired that I come to know him and that all of the peoples of the earth come to know him. What I encountered was a God who was on a mission, who had a purpose, and was inviting me not to decide for my own purpose or to look within myself for a purpose, but to look to him for my purpose. And that purpose is exactly what we're going to spend the next 30 minutes looking at. We're going to look at God's purpose and what it means for us to respond to that purpose. Because if we're Christians in this room, our purpose should not look the same as our classmates, our parents, our professors, our friends who do not follow Jesus. It should be different. That's what it means for us as Christians. If you're, if you're not a Christian in this room, you're like, man, I'm not sure what this means for me. This is really exciting because what we get to do is we're going to go through the, out the entire Bible, Genesis to Revelation, and we're going to look at God's purpose. And so whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, you're going to see so clearly what God is doing throughout this long, confusing, and old book. Are we ready? All right. Let's go through the entire Bible. So in the beginning... Genesis chapter 1, the first book of the Bible, God creates everything. He creates the heavens and the earth. He creates man and woman. And God gives his first command to Adam and Eve in Genesis 1.28. He says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So within the first chapter of the Bible, what we know about God is that he created man, loves man, wants to be in a relationship with mankind, and wants the earth to be filled with people who know him and love him. First chapter of the Bible. How amazing is that? That is God's purpose, first chapter. By chapter three, however, we see that man chose otherwise. They didn't want to choose God's ways. They chose their ways. They rebelled against God. And things just begin to spiral out of control from Genesis three to Genesis chapter six. In chapter six, what we learn about the Bible, six chapters of the Bible, is that the earth is so filled with evil that God's like, reset button, floods the entire earth. He's like, let's try again. A little gruesome, but this is how this is happening. And so what's going on here? God chooses one family, and he restarts with them, Noah and his family. And what does, Noah, what does God say to Noah in Genesis chapter 9? He repeats the promise he made to Adam and Eve. Genesis 9.1 says, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So both before the fall of man and after the fall of man, with Adam and with Noah, God makes the same command. He has the same purpose. He wants the entire earth to be filled with people who know him, who love him, who walk with him. It's amazing. However, mankind continues to rebel. 
by Genesis chapter 11, what we know is that mankind does not desire to make a name for themselves, or, or sorry, does not desire to make a name for them, their God, but make a name for themselves. They desire to build a tower that would be great so that people would think that they are great rather than their God is great. So God spreads the people across, he spreads the nations across the earth. This is a problem. Because what, what do we have here by Genesis chapter 11? Like we're a few pages in the Bible and what we have is the entire earth is filled with people who do not know God, who do not love God, who do not walk with God, who do not want his ways. And yet we have a God who desires to know and love all of the peoples of the earth. That's the problem in Genesis chapter 11. And how in the world is God going to fix that problem? How is he going to push forward his purpose? And what does it mean for his people? We see all of those things come to a head in Genesis chapter 12. We see God have a conversation. The, the story zooms in on one guy named Abram or Abraham. And this is God's solution for the problem facing the world. Genesis chapter 12. It reads this. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Abram, I want you to leave all the things you've ever known. And if you do that, Abram, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, and in you, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. Genesis chapter 12. This is the most foundational passage to understand the entire story of Scripture. Because what we see right here is God reveal His purpose that will be a thread of promise that will go to the final pages of Scripture. What God begins here, He will finish here in the last pages of Scripture. What God begins here impacts our lives today. Here's what God says. He says, Abram, I want you to go. I want you to leave. And through you and your offspring, I want to I redeem all the peoples of the earth, all the families of the earth. God makes a promise to Abraham to change his purpose so that he can align with God's purpose. And what's crazy about this promise is this promise of God blessing Abraham to be a blessing to the nations, God blessing his people to be a blessing to all people. What's crazy about this promise is it just becomes like the pattern of Scripture. Passage after passage, God repeats this pattern. And it helps us understand what God is doing in the world. We're tracing this idea of God's promises to reach all peoples. It's not just a few people in one state or one country. It's all the peoples. This is what God begins right here. So what we're going to do is we're literally going to fly throughout the rest of the Old Testament looking at how God himself repeats this promise over and over and over and over again. Look at what God says to Abraham's son, Isaac, in Genesis 26. He says, Isaac, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Sounds pretty familiar, right? What about Jacob? This is Isaac's son. Next. Jacob, your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So we have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We have like the father, the grandfather, the great-grandfather. We have, what, what is God doing here? He's repeating his promise. He's repeating his purpose. He's challenging Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to join him in his purpose. Not, not that they could have their best lives now, but so that they could join God in his purposes to reach all people. It's clear, and we're 28 chapters in, but God continues to repeat himself. 
it's easy to think today, like reading Genesis 28 and being like, okay, like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, these guys are super dead. Like, what does this mean for my life? Like, come on. But I want us to pay attention. Maybe we haven't read Genesis before. Maybe we can't even find Genesis. That's okay. But I want us to see what is God doing? Because what he said then impacts us today. So God continues to repeat this. And some of the most well-known ideas and stories throughout Scripture. So we get to the, the Ten Commandments throughout, throughout the Old Testament. And we get to the book of Deuteronomy. And, and God gives these commandments to his people a second time. And he says, and, and a lot of times we think of the Ten Commandments and we think of them kind of like the rules at the pool. You know, it's kind of like all the things you shouldn't do so you don't have fun. It's like no running, no jumping, no swimming, no fun. Like that's what we think of the Ten Commandments. Like God just gives these rules so that we don't really live a life that's fun or cool or whatever. But that's not the purpose of the commandments. Look at what God says in Deuteronomy. He says, keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, who when they hear all these statutes will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. So God gave these commandments to Israel, not so that they would just like have a terrible life. He gave these commandments to Israel because he's like, if you follow my commandments, it will set you apart. You will look different than nations around you in a good way. You look different than the people around you in a good way. It will shine the light of my goodness to the world around you if you live differently than the world you're in. That's the purpose of the Ten Commandments. God is blessing his people with these commands to be a blessing to the people around them. So we got the Ten Commandments. What about one of the most well-known stories in the Old Testament, the story of David and Goliath? You know, we, we know the story of David and Goliath, maybe. It's the most popular story in the Old Testament. It's also the plot to every sports movie ever. You got little guy, big guy, and an awesome headshot. You know, that's David and Goliath right there. And we hear this story a lot of times, and we're like, man, the point of this story is for me to face my giants. Like, I just need to be able to, like, I have a problem in front of me. I need to face it, and God will help me overcome it. Though that, I think that's true. I don't necessarily think that that's the purpose of this passage, I think there's a lot going on here. One, it, it points to Jesus in an amazing way of, of Jesus being from the line of David and conquering a giant, conquering death and freeing his people for salvation. There's another thing. We talk about that later. But there's also this idea of, God, of David engaging in this battle, not for himself and for his purpose, but so that God can be made known. Look at what David screams to Goliath right before he slays him. He says, This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. See, David's purpose in this isn't so people would think he's cool or really good with a slingshot. David's purpose is making God known. So Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the Ten Commandments, David. And we have David grows up, he has a son, his name's Solomon. And, and Solomon is known as the most wise and rich person living. I don't know about you, but I would take just one of those. I don't need both, but he had both. And how did he leverage these things? Look at what 1 Kings tells us. Thus King Solomon excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom, and the whole earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom which God had put into his mind. Man, as we so often think about our cultural narratives of wealth and of wisdom, it's typically pointed in. Man, what can we do so that people, like what can we do for ourselves? But Solomon didn't use these things for himself. The whole earth sought audience with him. God blessed Solomon to be a blessing to the nations. 
God blesses his people to be a blessing to the nations. And this idea of God blessing his people to be a blessing to the nations, to be a blessing to the people, to be a blessing to all the languages of the earth, it is picked up in the book of Psalms like no other book. It is everywhere. Probably the most well-known psalm we have is Psalm 46. It says, Be still and know that I am God. Man, this verse is awesome. You know, like, I, I just loved this verse for so long. I was like, man, this verse is amazing. Like, and, and this verse is everywhere. Like, we put it on, like, I don't know, like coffee mugs, you know, or like nice leather journals or pictures of calm lakes, you know, and we're like, be still and know that I am God. And I love how it ends with dot, dot, dot. You know, it's like so mysterious. Like, be still and know that I am God, 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 God. But one day I was like, man, I want to see this puppy in its context. And so I opened up to Psalm 46, and I began to read, and I was like, okay, verse 1, that's okay. Verse 2, not as good as verse 10. And I get to verse 10, and I'm, I'm amazed, because those dots are not a poetic ending. <laughs> it means there is more to the verse. And I'm like, what's so bad about Psalm 46.10, A, that we cut off the second half and don't even know what it is? Like, what, what, what does it say on the other half that's so bad? And I was shocked to find that it's, it's God's purpose. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And this is the entire thing in its context. The first half is true and good. God does bless his people, period. But he also blesses his people and desires that he is made known among all the nations and in all of the earth. How amazing is this? It's so easy when we have our head down in our lives just to focus on, on like our individual relationship with God. And God wants that, but he wants that individual relationship to fuel our outreach, to fuel the way we impact the people around us, not just here in Chico, but to the ends of the earth. And like I said, this idea is on repeat throughout the psalm. Psalm 67 picks up on the same promise, the same pattern. God blesses his people to be a blessing to the nations. Psalm 67 says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. Like, who doesn't want that? Like, that's awesome. Like, I, would, I want that. But what does he continue saying? That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. God blesses his people he blesses us to be a blessing to the nations. Do we see this pattern? Do we see this promise? Do we see this purpose? Do we see what God is doing? And he's inviting his people then to join. And this idea is, it's, it's in a couple of other places throughout the Psalms, if you guys want to check it out. It's literally everywhere. This idea of peoples, nations, languages, earth. Peoples, nations, languages, earth is everywhere. God desires this, and he wants his people to be intimately engaged with what he's doing here. It's so cool. And as we continue to finish out the Old Testament, we see the prophets. And now the prophets are often difficult to understand, but what we need, is, is what we need to understand is they are continuing God's purpose. They're talking about how, how God will keep his promises and he will fulfill his purpose. Look at what Isaiah says. Isaiah 49 says, I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach where? To the end of the earth. Then we have the prophet Habakkuk. Nobody knows how to say his name often. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The whole earth will be filled 
And then we get to the final book of the Old Testament, Malachi. And it says, For from the rising of his sun to the setting, my name will be great among the nations. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord. Genesis to Malachi. That's the entire Old Testament. God's purpose made clear. God's mission to reach all peoples made clear. God's promise made to Abraham kept and repeated. How amazing is this? This purpose helps us understand what God is doing throughout the Old Testament. But it's something I I missed big time. I I grew up in Arkansas, which is the South, which basically means I was born in a church. (laughs) But like, I didn't know any of this. Like, I had no idea. Like, I had grown up reading the Bible, and I was like, what? Nations, people, languages, earth? I was it everywhere. I missed it. But I also miss a lot of pretty obvious things, I'm going to be honest. So a few years ago, some friends and I decided to sit down and watch a movie. And after much debate, as happens in the streaming world, we decided on the movie Pirates of the Caribbean. Number one, the only one that really matters. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, so we're watching this movie, and like, I, I love this movie. Like, I feel like I knew everything about it. I knew the characters, I knew the plots. I'm like, oh, we'll just wait, it's about to happen. You know, like, I like, love Pirates of the Caribbean. I've seen it so many times. And so we're sitting down, watching the movie, and we're 10 minutes into the movie. My favorite movie at that point. I love the movie. And I'm like, oh, man, I, I love it. It's so good. You know, at 10 minutes in, you're introduced to Captain Jack Sparrow. He's the good guy. And then you're introduced to the British Empire. They're the bad guys, depending on your kind of history. And you're just watching this conflict go down. They got, like, they're on pirate ships. They got palm trees. There's water. And I'm like, man, this movie's the best. And I thought, huh, I've, I've never asked myself this question. Where is Pirates of the Caribbean taking place? It's really hurtful. <laughs> I was like, okay. Is it taking place in Asia? Nah. Australia? Maybe. I don't know. So I turned to my friend. I'm like, hey, where is Pirates of the Caribbean taking place? My friend's like, that's such a good question. <laughs> and we make it a little bit longer through the list this time. We're like, Asia? No, definitely not. Australia, maybe. Africa, maybe also. And we're like, okay, you're useless. So we turn to our third friend, like, hey, where is Pirates of the Caribbean? (laughs) Never mind. So I'm just going to observe. There's about half of us in this room laughing because we know exactly what's happening. (laughs) The other half is nervous laughter. (laughs) The silence, I'm not really sure about. Where does the movie take place? Yeah, the Caribbean. Yeah. It's in the title of the movie. Like, I miss the most obvious thing about Pirates of the Caribbean other than the fact that it was about pirates. You know, like, I couldn't have missed anything more foundationally obvious than that. And here's the deal. When you miss obvious things like that, like, you don't, like, beat yourself up for the rest of your life. Man, I'm I'm so dumb. I can't believe I missed Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, Like, that's not what we do. That's not what we should do. What we should do is we should just live differently in light of the new knowledge we have. And that's what happened to me with God's mission throughout Scripture. I had not seen it. I had completely missed it. I was oblivious to one of the most obvious things about the Bible, the fact that it's not about me. In fact, it's about God and his name being made known among all of the nations of the earth. And maybe we have missed that to some degree up until this point. And you know what? That's okay. But from this point forward, it should change things. 
As we see God's purposes and his promise and the pattern he starts with Abraham, let it affect our purpose today. Because as we turn the page to the New Testament and we encounter Jesus, we see that Jesus is the blessing that goes to all the nations of the earth. He is the offspring of Abraham. He is the offspring of David. He is the good news for the world. Probably the most well-known verse in the entire Bible is John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This verse is so well known because at, it, at its heart is the good news of the gospel, which is the core message to Christianity. It's the fact that we are, we are separated from God, that God is perfect and holy and just, and we have sinned against him, we've rebelled against him, we are running from him, but in his love, he enters into the story by Jesus. Jesus comes to earth, he lives the perfect life we could never live. And he's put on a cross, and he takes on the punishment for our sin, for our shame, for our brokenness, for our rebellion, for our choosing to think our purpose is all about ourselves. He took it all there on the cross. Breathed his last and went in the grave. Only to rise on the third day and show his victory over death and to invite the entire world to turn from their ways and to trust in him, to repent and believe in the good news of the gospel. That's what John 3.16 is all about, that in Jesus we have eternal life. I mean, if there's one message that I want anyone in this room to hear tonight, it's this message. Maybe you've never heard it before. I mean, come talk with me or, or anyone, whoever you came with about this message. Maybe you've heard it a million times, but it's never impacted your heart. Talk with whoever you came with or someone around you. This is core. Jesus died for your sins, that you may be in a relationship with God. In the beginning, God created Man and woman, the, the entire earth to be filled with worshipers of him. This is how we join God's family. For those of us in the room who do follow Jesus and say, Jesus, thank you for your work done on the cross. Thank you for the salvation. Thank you for giving me the spirit. Thank you that I may walk as a Christian. This verse also has impact for us. One, we rehearse the gospel daily, but then also we need to make a key observation about this verse. It's the fact that it says, for God so loved the world I was always taught growing up in the church to put my name in the verse to make sure I understood the gospel was about me. And that is true. But there's a time when we need to remember to take our name out of the verse and put the world back in. Because the good news of the gospel is not just for me and my friends and my family and my state and my country. It is for the entire world. And that's good news. Good news worthy of spreading to the ends of the earth. That's why when Jesus dies and rises from the dead, he spends 40 more days on earth. And in those 40 days, he instructs his disciples so clearly on what they should be doing as his followers once he's gone. What, what Jesus does is he, he teaches clearly what it means for us. Everything up until this point is describing God's heart and what he has done and what he has done through his people, Israel. But what we're about to see is what it means for us today as Christians, what it means for your purpose, for your major, whether you're married or you're single, you're a freshman or you're a senior, you're not really sure at this point, you're not in school. Like whoever you are, what we're about to see is where the rubber meets the road. Matthew chapter 28 is called the Great Commission. And it says, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Man, we could camp out here forever, but we're not going to. This is amazing. Do we see what, what God's doing here? This is not where Jesus invented missions. Jesus is simply repeating God's heart that started in Genesis chapter 1. 
Matthew 28 is, is not our only missions verse. We can, in fact, have a missions mandate from Scripture to go to the ends of the earth without ever reading this. That's how clear God's heart is from Genesis to Revelation. But look at how clear it is here. And what's amazing about the, the mission mandate here in Matthew chapter 28 is it's not the only one in the New Testament. Because Jesus repeats himself four more times, commissioning his disciples across the, across the, the Gospels on what it means for them to engage in his mission. So Matthew summarized, says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. What does Mark say? He says, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. And then Luke says it a different way. He says repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. John says this, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And then Acts says it this way, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Four more times or a total of five times Jesus repeats his mission to his people. He says, man, if you're my disciple, this is your purpose. This is your starting point. Man, don't start with your passions. Man, don't start with your major. Don't start with your degree. Don't start with your skills. Man, start with this. And then move on from there. This is our starting point. This is our ground zero as Christians. The good news of the gospel and taking it to the ends of the earth. And Jesus repeated this, and thankfully, his disciples understood it. I know that to be true because, one, we're sitting here 2,000 years later, so they did something, you know, which is nice. And they also wrote about it, too. Look at what John the Apostle says in 1 John. He says, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for our sins, but also the sins of the whole world. Paul reflects on it another way. As Paul thinks about the promises made to Abraham, as he thinks about the entire story of the Old Testament, he, he, he pushes God's heart for the nations and the promise made to Abraham this way. In Genesis, I'm sorry, in Galatians chapter 3, Paul says, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring. You are heirs according to the promise. And so what he's saying right here is God made a promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 that through him and his family, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And Paul's saying that that promise went from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to David to Solomon throughout the Psalms and the prophets to Jesus to the apostles to us. We inherit that promise. We participate in God's heart to reach all the peoples of the earth. This is how Paul challenges young Christians to participate in God's heart for the world. And this is what Paul's entire purpose was. In Romans 15, we see Paul specifically at the end of this letter to the Romans say what his purpose is. He says, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. Paul says, my entire purpose is I want to go to the places that don't know Jesus. I'm going to make him known, then I'm going to go to the next place. I'm going to make him known, go to the next place. Not every single person is called the exact same ministry as Paul, but all of us, whoever we are, we have a responsibility to share the good news of the gospel and how it's impacted our lives. For Paul, if he was alive today, let me, let me talk about the places that he would go to. Here's a, here's a map. This is an area of the world called the 1040 window. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the 1040 window, don't worry, this is not something that you miss in geography class. You probably failed for another reason. It's not this. But this is a map that Christians have created to try and understand, man, what are, what are the greatest needs in the world for the gospel? What are the greatest needs? And so what this represents is 10, 10 degrees north latitude to 40 degrees north latitude from the west of Africa to the east of Asia. And inside this box is the majority of the world's population, about 5 billion people and counting. 
But also inside this box is something really key for us to understand in terms of this talk. There's 3 billion people out of those 5 billion, 3 billion people that would be considered unreached. Now, unreached is different than unsaved. Unsaved might be someone who has access to the gospel or a Bible or a church or you, but doesn't follow Jesus. Unsaved. Unreached is someone who does not have access to those things. They don't have access to the gospel. They don't have access to the Bible in their language. They don't have access to churches. They don't have access to resources. They have never heard the gospel, and they will live their entire lives and die without hearing that news. That is unreached. And there's three billion people in this box that fit that description to a T. Now think about that in terms of God's global heart and our purpose as Christians. There's a great need. And the purpose of this is not to provoke like shame or guilt or anything like that, but for us to see that there truly is opportunity for us to be obedient today. Truly. And what, what does it mean? Like, how, how do we participate? Like, what are we supposed to do? What are our next steps? Paul summarizes it this way in Romans chapter 10. He says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, even, even those in the 1040 window, will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? How are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful of the feet are the feet of those who preach the good news. Paul gives us really a model for engaging in God's mission today, it's, it's two words. It's go and send. We go and we send. We go and we send. And in our, our part two, that'll take place like 10, 15 minutes after the end of the meeting. We're going to dive as much as possible into these and what it means for you today. Let me just give a little taste. Because we don't have to have like a, a, one, a step, a plan, one, two, three, to choose to participate in God's mission. But it's, it's helpful to see what's happening here. And so we go here. I mean, we cross cultures on our campus. The Lord has brought people from all around the world to Chico, whether they're students or they're in the workplace. Whatever it is, I mean, the fact that God has a global heart should impact the way that we see our world around us. We're, whatever you know, culture we're from, let us cross the culture and share the gospel because God desires that all the peoples come to know him. We go here. But we also go there. The 1040 window will not be changed, will not be affected without people going. So what would it look like for you to go with challenge if you're part of the core team this summer to an unrevealed location at this point? What would it look like for you to, to, to show interest in that and just pray, pray about that? And the question when it comes to going should be, why not me? You know, we so often think, like, why me? Why do I have to do that? Why do I have to give up my summer? But, like, why not you? What an awesome opportunity. And then we also are engaged with God's heart by sending. We send by enabling other people to go. We pray for those who are going. We pray for more to go. We pray for those friends of ours that are there. And then we give sacrificially so that they can go. No matter where we are, who we are, or where we are in our college career or in our walk with Christ, we all have a way to engage with God's global heart. God's purpose, wanting his purpose with our purpose. And the amazing thing about this purpose is God does not leave us without hope. Because as we finish our journey entering through the entire Bible, we get to the final book of the Bible, Revelation, and we see God's promises kept, God's purpose complete with the people worshiping in heaven. Revelation 7 
says, After this I looked, and behold, there was a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Guys, this is awesome. Like, I don't know what you think of when you think of heaven, but it's definitely not this cool. When we think of heaven, we're like, man, we're going to sing Hillsong, maybe. Like, maybe croissant. Like, I, I don't know, maybe Maverick City. I'm not really sure. It'll, it'll be good, though, I promise, you know? Like, that's what we think of when we think of heaven. Like, angels playing harps or something like that. Like, like come on. Man, it's not going to be that. As, as the Bible describes heaven, it's going to be a giant, multi-ethnic worship party with people from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation represented. Because God's global heart will come to fulfillment. His promises will be kept. He will complete his purposes. And the question is, do we want to join him or not? Because we, we have the opportunity not to. We can say no. But I know, like, you're, you're here on a Tuesday night giving away whatever time you could be doing something else. Like, you're here on purpose. And so I know within this room, like, we want to be the people who respond. I mean, I believe that we can do that. I believe the Lord wants us to do that. And so here, here's what I want us to do. When you walked in in your little, little packets on your chairs, all of you should have had one of these cards if you want to open it up and grab it. This is just an opportunity for us to reflect real fast as, as we close out this time. And so on the front side here, the, the, the pink or red side, it, it basically has a lot of the verses that we went through. It says the mission theme of the Bible. It's a lot of the verses that we went through because I don't want you to take my word for this. I don't want you to take, uh, I don't want you to think this is just a traveling team thing or, one, you know, the staff thing or whatever. Like this is, this is a God thing. This is a Bible thing. And so take this, stick it in your Bible, stick it in your pocket. Don't leave it. And look at these verses yourself and see what God's up to. And then the opposite side right here, if you take it and turn it, it's a, it's a commitment. And I know it's really easy to hear the word commitment and be like, commitment, flee. You know, like, get out of here. Like, I am overcommitted. I'm so sorry, Mr. Speaker, sir. I got to leave. You know, it's okay. I'm actually not going to back down and say this isn't a big commitment. I think it's a pretty big commitment. But I think that it's a commitment that we can all make. And so what I want to do is I'm going to read this and I'm going to explain it. And then as I close in prayer, I'm going to ask you guys if, if you want to take the first step in this commitment just to raise it up as I pray. That, that's what I'm asking, but let me read and explain first. It says this. I commit myself to obeying Christ and declaring his salvation to the unreached world by serving as either a cross-cultural goer or a sacrificial sender. And so what this card is saying and what raising it is saying is, God, I want, I want to take a next step. I want to accept your invitation to participate in your purpose. I want to align my purpose with your purpose. Maybe it's a confession of like, I've just been pursuing, I look exactly like my classmates who aren't Christians. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's saying like, I, I want to, grab an application to, to go overseas. Maybe saying, I want to begin to reach out across campus. It's the first step. God, I, whatever this means, I want to take a first step in this. And so I want to ask all of us to close our eyes and bow our heads, and, and I'm going to pray for us. And if this is you, would you just raise this up high as that first step of, God, I want to, I want to commit to what you're doing for your purpose. And let me pray over us. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word. We just scratched the surface going from Genesis to Revelation. It is so deep, and it impacts our lives to a level that we often don't even give credit for. God, but I pray for in this room that you would raise up goers, and you would raise up senders, you would raise up us to be able to respond. God, I pray for this room for those of us who maybe aren't following Jesus at this point. We're not really sure what that looks like, God. Would you work in our hearts, enabling us to know you and your good news and what you did on the cross and what it means for us and what it means for the whole world. Lord, I thank you for this meeting, and I pray that you would continue to bless us as we walk humbly in faith with you. In Jesus' name, amen.